This podcast is sponsored by Explore Worldwide. Explore offers guided travel holidays from city breaks to honeymoons. Explore's local tour guides and their small group adventures give travellers the opportunity to experience a country and not merely observe it. Whether it's a food and drink tour in the hilltop towns of Tuscany or a walking tour in the rice fields of Vietnam, Explore puts their trust in the quality of their local tour leaders so you get a better insight into your holiday destination. Head to exploreworldwide.com. Hello and welcome to today's independent travel podcast with me, Simon Calder, and there is nothing more special and supersonic than this edition because I'm here at the British Airways Heritage Centre, close to Heathrow Airport, and I'm standing beneath a big model of a very beautiful aircraft, the Concorde, which on the 24th of October 2003 had its last commercial flight. I'm here with somebody who knows Concorde probably better than pretty much anyone else on earth. Jamie Bowden, who joined British Airways in 1978. And uh, Jamie, since you joined them, worked in a variety of capacities. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you, you got a chance to fly on Concorde. I did. I was, I was lucky enough to fly on Concorde almost 40 times, both taking journalists when I was a BA's press spokesman and also taking sports crews, that kind of thing, um, golf crews, people who used the, the, the aircraft as a flagship, not just for BA, but for Britain at the time. So uh, I took the England football team uh, back from France in the World Cup. And uh, yeah, I flew on Concorde very many, uh, very many times. And it was a major part of my life, both when I was in the terminals as a manager and also when I was a BA's press spokesman. As an aircraft, it was an absolute commercial failure, if I'm not mistaken. There were only, uh, I believe, 20 ever manufactured. Of course, it was shared with France. It only ever flew, really, for British Airways and for Air France. A few other airlines kind of rented a bit of time with it but um, you compare that with well even the Airbus A380 which is not itself a great success but uh, they've sold more than 250 and furthermore it was based even though it started flying in 1976 it was based on 1950s technology so um, was it always an evolutionary cul-de-sac and uh, a waste of uh, taxpayers money? Well, I think if you go back to when uh, Concorde was first devised, if you remember the old famous white heat of technology in the 60s, you know, many technological advancements were put forward then uh, in terms of aviation. Obviously, there was the Harrier, there was the Concorde, there was the TSR-2 aircraft. And I think what had happened with Concorde was at the time, the view was that speed was going to be a major part of forging Britain's business future. And of course, what happened in the end with the uh, jumbo being released in uh, 1969, it meant that with the increase in fuel prices, the huge fuel shock in the mid 70s, it meant that Concorde itself really needed to have a really high passenger load in order to pay its way. And after that shock, there was a huge 
recession around the world and it just meant that the number of people who were going to be expected to fly on Concorde never really materialised, I think, until the mid-80s when British Airways managed to put a lot more effort, I think, into the marketing of Concorde. And for some years, it was very successful, particularly between London and New York, for a lot of the banks who were doing lots of mergers and acquisitions at the time. But of course, when it came to the accident in 2000 that Air France had and 9-11, you know, it really was the, the end of the road for it. And I think as time progressed, you know, Concord was never going to have a long, it was, flew for 27 years, um, but it was never going to have a long career after those shocks of 2000, 2001. Yes, on the day that Rod Eddington, the then British Airways chief executive, announced it would be ending in October 2003, I believe there were exactly 20 people booked on the afternoon service back from New York to London out of 100 seats. But tell us what the experience was like being on Concorde. Was it really a, a cut above anything else or was it actually, and looking at some of the Concorde seats, um, just a little bit cramped and quite uh, quite budget airline? Well, I, I suppose a lot of people would look at the interior of Concorde uh, and of course many people can still see the interior as it was because the aircraft that we flew uh, in many parts of the world now as museum pieces and uh, one of the things that a lot of people say to me is it's very cramped inside isn't it? But if you consider the flying time from here to New York is probably equivalent of the flying time from here to Athens in a normal aircraft. So uh, Concorde, as they say, was built for speed. It wasn't necessarily built for comfort. It was it was a tool to get people, business people, to get from London to New York and back in the quickest way possible. However, um, having said that, you know, Concorde was famed for its uh, brunches. And a lot of people used to do work. You know, it surprised me that when I flew on the aircraft, particularly on its uh, its major business route from London to New York, the amount of people who were who were working. Now, of course, a lot of that time was before things like laptops were introduced, and people literally were sitting with ledgers doing notes on their uh, on their laps. Um, the other route that we used to fly a lot, you know, up until it ended, was uh, from uh, London to Barbados. That was much more of a leisure route, I think, for people who were going to Barbados over the winter for uh, their expensive holidays. Um, and those people seemed to be a lot more relaxed. But of course, uh, yes, I think in comparison with today's wide-body aircraft, many people now have obviously flown on uh, jumbos or triple sevens or the A380, and the Concorde, by comparison, would seem very, very cramped. But considering none of its commercial flights were over four hours long, um, it was big enough for that time. 20 years on from the last commercial flight, are you surprised that nobody else has come up with a, a suitable 21st century alternative to Concorde that will give supersonic flight? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. I stuck my neck out on uh, a BBC interview on the very last flight uh, in, in October 2003, and I was asked, um, did I think that there was going to be a replacement of Concorde, you know, the next 20, 25 years? And I said, no, I don't believe there's going to be a replacement of a passenger supersonic aircraft the size of Concorde or anywhere near the size of Concorde in my lifetime. I still hold that view uh, for two simple reasons. One, um, very few private equity businesses will want to put the amount of money in that it is going to cost for development. And two, 
Uh, with today's politics, very few governments are going to spend taxpayers' money on an aircraft that only the richest people in the world can fly on. I maintain my view that even with some of the prototypes that are still on the drawing board at the moment, that we will not see a flying uh, supersonic aircraft the size of Concorde or similar um, within my lifetime. Jamie Bowden, former British Airways executive and Concorde uh, passenger, thank you very much indeed, and thank you for listening. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.